Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. It's the Irishman Running Abroad podcast with me, Jarrett Regan, and the legend Sonia Sullivan over there across the pond, out far in America, where she is currently coaching some of Nike's elite athletes with the Union Athletics Club. But before we get into today's chat, it was a huge weekend for all of Sonia's athletes as their trip to the East Coast, Jessica Hull grabbing herself another record at the Millrose Games in snow-covered New York City, Alexa a Frameson snagging a first place in the mile at the BU John Thomas Terrier Classic in a time of 4.29.28. Huge achievements. But was Sonia more or less proud of my performance <laughs> at the Lee Valley Velo Park where I came second with uh, and within 40 seconds of breaking 20 minutes for 5k? I mean, it's all relative. Uh, You don't have to answer that question, Sonia. I feel we all know the answer. (laughs) Today's episode is all about getting the answers to the questions we don't know as we dip into the mailbag of questions uh, in this Ask Sonia Anything episode. We will try to get every single question you guys have submitted. We will have Sonia's tip of the week. And not only that, we'll take a trip around the parishes and we'll pick up the live line to talk to one of our club members who's just returned from a training camp in Kenya. Sonia, how are you doing there? You're back in the warmth on the West Coast, are you? I am. And yeah, we're looking forward to a bit of sunshine and heat today um, after, yeah, a bit of a cold break. Most people go away for the weekend for a bit of heat. but We went we went away into the unknown of like nearly going to Antarctic um, <laughs> in New York, Boston and New York. Boston was kind of the, you know, the, the dry cold air and it was really cold like when I when I packed my bags to come back after being in Australia um, and I'd actually come from Ireland I had a section in my bag that was knowing that I was going to be going to the east coast and that it was going to be cold yeah I haven't been in this kind of cold weather for a long time minus minus 15 is that am I right in saying that's what it felt like yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I can ever even remember being in cold weather like that ever. Um, and definitely not running in that kind of temperatures. I know we did get snow and cold weather when I was at Villanova, but I really don't remember it being anything like that. And and just came so quickly, like overnight. So I was in Boston on Saturday and Alexa Ephraim, she ran a mile on Saturday afternoon and they had moved the meat from the evening to the afternoon because they knew the snow was coming and the storm was predicted and everyone was, you know, Battening carrying down the on about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like the, the red-orange warnings, you know, that you get in Ireland these days. And um, so while I was at the track meet in the afternoon, I was talking to a friend of mine and they had just come in and with all their suitcases. And I said, oh, where are you going? And they said, oh, our flight's been cancelled. Um they were going to Philadelphia and I said, oh, I'm flying to New York tonight. And they said, oh, you better check. <laughs> so I, of course, take out the phone and straight away cancelled. So I was on the phone then thinking, right, OK, I got to get on the train. And because the race was early in the afternoon, I was able to get myself to the train. And I was so happy to be on the train and heading for New York because, you know, when you go to the East Coast and 
you know, as as much as it was great to be in Boston for Alexa to see her, you know, get back to some of her best running, I really wanted to go to the Milrose Games because I hadn't been there for such a long time. And, you know, a big event like that is exciting and it's just great to be able to, to be there mm. and, you know, on, on the side of the track watching. And, you know, for me, that's probably where I, I did run the Milrose Games once when I was in college on, on a relay. Um, so my experience at the Milrose Games has always been, you know, on the edge of the track and it's just so loud and there's just so much stuff going on at the indoor track that you can only focus on, you know, one thing at a time, but there's other things going on all around you. And it's a little bit like a circus. There's just stuff that because the track is so small yeah. that people are kind of on top of each other yeah. and they're shut, shuttling people on and off the track and it's just nonstop activity. And, you know, when you're, then you're going in and out to check on athletes as they're warming up and coming onto the track and making sure that, you know, they're all, they've got everything they need and they're, you know, ready to go. And um, yeah, so you're just constantly doing stuff. So the time goes by so quickly, Um, but it it was fabulous to be there and just to see how New York deals with the snow and just gets on with things. (laughs) Yeah, well, you, uh, you got on with things yourself. I mean, you posted a couple of runs in Central Park where you basically went dressed as Joey Tribbiani wearing all (laughs) of your clothes at the same time. I mean, uh, like outside of what Jessica did and all, all the great achievements of your athletes, getting out there for that run and running the time you did around Central Park, I would put that up there with that achievement because the temptation must have been massive, Sonia, to do what a lot of people would do in that situation, which is pull the quilt up even higher and go, God, I'm glad I don't have to be a professional athlete today. Well, it was funny because all I, I just, the first thing I did when I got up was look out the window and check on the snow status. And I love snow. It's kind of exciting, especially the first day of snow. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's still like a kid, you know, I want to go out there and play in the snow. So we were two blocks from Central Park and I just thought, well, I'm just going to get dressed and get out and just see what it's like up there. Yeah. And um, I also had the other benefit of the fact that I was staying in the coldest hotel room you could ever imagine. <laughs> it was the worst. Like the heating was not working in my room. Oh, nightmare. There was, a temp- there was a small little heater, temporary. So it was obviously... You know, they knew about this. So, yeah, I was thinking it's probably warmer outside than inside. <laughs> so my room was not that warm that it was keeping me in. There. It was better to put all my clothes on, get out. And it was a trudge up to Central Park. It's slow. It takes it's a slow process. And because even at that stage, they had just about started pushing the snow off the road. And you have to go through these trenches of snow <laughs> at all the crossings. And then I got to the park. And I saw these people running around and I thought, oh, right. So then you can and there's, there wasn't loads of people, but there was a few that you then wait and you find your little slot and you jump in and you just follow in the footsteps of the people who are gone ahead of you. Yeah. And it, it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting, but I, you did have to put stuff up over your face and, and then, you know, like everybody who knows wearing masks and I had sunglasses on and everything gets fogged up. <laughs> so it takes... It takes a while to kind of balance out your clothes and work out what's going on. And I did I, I did have to take a jacket off even 
at one point because I knew I just couldn't move properly. <laughs> yeah, you'd Michelin manned mm. it uh, with, the, oh. with the extra jacket. Now, the only time I felt cold like that is uh, in Minnesota. And I know exactly what you're saying about covering your face because it does feel like <laughs> it's a wind that would tear the face off you. Like it actually stings your face. It's like if you put your hand in the freezer, it, it just hurts to be out in it. Uh, that That's five years ago I was in Minnesota. I'll drop this in again because it is kind of my organ donor awareness week in that it's five years since I donated a kidney to my brother. Tina likes to mark it every year with a little something. And this week she marked it with a fresh pair of Nike Vaporfly Next Percent Twos, which got a run out at Lee Velo Park at the weekend. And I don't know why, Sonia, I didn't. I was surprised when I put them on that, like, for all the talk, the three episodes we've done about super shoes and technological doping or whatever you want to call it. I don't know why I was surprised. But when you put them on, you realize straight away, oh, yeah, these are really good shoes. There's no question. I see what the hype (laughs) is about. You don't even need to run in them to know these feel different from anything else I'd ever worn before. But I wanted to give a quick shout out to Tina to say thanks for that. And uh, we'll talk more about the impact of those shoes later on. I want to get straight into the mailbag because we've so many great questions to answer. The first, let's go with Jackie Fox, who uh, messages. Jackie was one of the people that came out for the run in the Phoenix Park at Christmas. She uh, has, I have a question about strength and training. I'm training for a half marathon and I'm just about fitting in the runs I need to do, which everyone can totally understand because people are trying to fit work in as well. So this is a common problem. But I need to know strength and conditioning too. I'm hitting a wall in terms of my running, I think, as the long runs still feel really hard with full time work, small children, home and everything else. Do you and Sonia have any advice? I like that she asked me. <laughs> Do you, does Sonia have any advice <laughs> for the most efficient ways to fit in the strength work, preferably that can be done at home, possibly with children <laughs> lingering around? Thanks so much. I'm really enjoying the episodes. Keep them coming. Jackie. Jackie Fox. Jackie Fox really sounds like, I don't know, a 1960s baseball player. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) Jackie's great question, isn't it? Because so many people are barely squeezing in their runs. How the hell do you squeeze the strength training in too? And also, Sonia, if I could add to Jackie's question, how much time is enough? Because you've always said little and often. How much time is enough? So what would you say to Jackie here? So, well, I think if you haven't done very much gym and strength training already, then it's very easy to include it into your week. And so you have to look and say, okay, well, is there certain days when you're not running at all? Now, do you want to keep those days free and then add on the gym work? Or do you want to use those days as an active rest day Mm. and have them as as your gym days? So it just depends on how you kind of work out your, your timing and the time that you have available, because... It just seems easier for everybody to put the shoes on and go out for a run. It seems a bigger effort to do some gym work for some reason. I think because if you're doing it in your house, it's very easy to get distracted and it can take a lot longer than than it needs to take. So I think the best thing you can do is if you're doing some gym work is to 
ignore any like messages or anything on your phone that's coming in and just act as if you're out for a run yeah and don't stop and kind of stall things a little bit so there's like there's a lot of stuff that you can do and i'm sure i think we've talked about this before like you can start very easily just doing some squats some push-ups some dips and some like sit-ups and core exercises and you can be very basic and doing a little bit of a body weight circuit Mm -hmm. and that will add a lot to it will add a lot to your and training you, and you just throw fi- 15 minutes at it or is that too little um i'd say about 30 minutes at least right because you need to warm up and you know if you're doing sets of like 30 seconds on maybe five or six exercises and then you would do at least three sets of it and then i would do that at least twice a week maybe three times a week twice is probably enough for most people because if you only do it once a week then you get sore and then you don't do it again until next week and then you get sore again. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you get sore and then you repeat it, then your body and your muscles get used to it. So then you're able to move on and you can increase what you're doing then and increase the weights. And I always find at home to have a set of five, for me anyway, I mean, depending on how strong one is, <laughs> A set of five kilogram dumbbells, you can get a lot out of that. And there's a lot of, ex- I have to try and draw up a basic kind of, I suppose, running strength plan. And I think there's there's probably something in in that 5K book you have. Is yeah, there, there is. And, is there you some- know, I will include that in the uh, notes this week. All our supporters get free illustrated notes with the extended length episodes. There's a further 50 percent to each episode over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. The Fast 5K book is the book that Sonia is referring to by Pete McGill. And yeah, there's there's some really simple strength stuff in there that, uh, that yeah, we'll include. Yeah, things like that, you know, it helps you to set up a basic plan. And then once you get used to doing that, then you can add on more exercises. But it's really just about getting a piece of paper and writing down a few exercises, um, how many repetitions you're going to do, how many sets you're going to do and and committing to it and sticking to it. Mm. And I think as long as you know how to do the exercises properly, then you'll definitely get some benefit from it. And And there's, you know, there's a lot of, I suppose, talk and people go on a lot about core exercises these days. Now, when, you know, when I was growing up and starting running, it was all about sit ups. And they're very basic kind of methods of doing core exercises, whereas now there's all these planks and different things. And if you do them consistently and things like and even yoga and Pilates, Pilates is another good one. I started doing that last week. And I think if you can commit to a series of Pilates exercises, that's very beneficial as well for the core muscles Mm. to just kind of get them, I suppose, to kickstart getting them what you call firing and working all the little muscles that we kind of forget about because you know we're so focused on getting out and running and using all the big muscles and then that's when they get tired and break down when they're doing all the work and the the little muscles just get to come along for the ride whereas if we work on them at home then they can help us to have better form when we run to help us to pick up our feet 
and to, to use our arms as well um, to help us well I hope that I hope that's a help uh, Jackie Fox and I know that some of what Jackie's talking about here it probably relates to the Honey You're Ruining My Kid podcast which is our parenting podcast with Tina my wife and you know we are going to be covering that topic of kind of claiming back some time when it feels like your kids kind of dominate and that little bit of me time that you have doesn't seem to be a priority in the house when you're chasing after these little ones the whole time. So, Jackie, maybe there's an episode or a question you could ping in there. Uh, we're certainly going to be covering that in the coming weeks. Uh, a couple of really funny questions that came in, Sonia, that I haven't shared with you yet. Uh, John in Limerick, is it possible to prevent injuries like plantar fasciitis? Or is it like leaving the immersion on? It's going to happen at some point. There's very little you can do about it. <laughs> I love this question. But it is a good question. Like, can you do exercises to prevent injuries such as plantar fasciitis? Well, I mean, I suppose prevention, yes. You can, you can, as soon as you feel any kind of awareness of a soreness or something that doesn't feel quite right, I think, that's your first warning sign to get on top of things. Like it's very hard to predict an injury mm. and to kind of, I suppose, prevent injuries in that kind of a way. Yeah. But I think what happens if people experience plantar fasciitis or Achilles tendonitis, you know, all these very common running injuries, then as soon as they have any slight hint that there's something creeping into their feet or their ankles or around the Achilles, then they have little tools that they use to stay on top of it so yeah. that it doesn't get to the point where it stops you from running. So I think the preventative stuff, it really comes if you've had the injury already and you know how to deal with it. Or if you go for a little assessment, like I found that amazing that you go to a pro and they're able to have a feel around and go, oh, yeah, you're probably inclined to develop this in the future if you don't do this. I feel like that mightn't be a bad thing for John in Limerick to do is just get himself on a on a table with somebody with strong hands. <laughs> Who knows yeah, what's going that on? That is a good thing when you go sometimes to get a sports massage and you may go because you've got something a little bit sore, a little bit tight. And then you'll find that the physical therapist or the massage person they'll find tightnesses in other places. Yes. And they might find a couple of red flags and say, oh, you want to watch out for this or maybe, you know, like do a bit of few exercises here. Make sure you're well warmed up before you go out because I can see that your your calves are a bit tight. So your Achilles then will be under pressure or your, you know, the, the everything is linked in. And then if your Achilles is under pressure and your calf is under pressure, then your plantar fasciitis will be under pressure. So, we do have to be aware of stretching the muscles of kind of self-massage, using things like tennis balls and golf balls underneath your feet to stretch out those muscles. Because and particularly when the weather is cold, your feet can get all wrapped up and tight and they don't walk around so much in the bare feet mm. and getting the stretching that, you know, we've talked about before and, you know, walking on beaches and things like that to really allow the feet to use all the little muscles in the feet as well to 
give them a chance instead of having them all cooped up in the in the socks and shoes. Well, this next one comes in from Italy. Miles, listening in Italy, says he never misses a show. This is a really good question. I never even thought about this. Do you need to train to kick at the end of a race? Like, who better to ask than Sonia O'Sullivan? Do you need <laughs> to train specifically to kick at the end of a race? Or will a solid aerobic base of fitness give you that ability as a natural byproduct of all that hard work? A really great question. Well, you can definitely train for it. Some people will definitely be more naturally gifted and they'll be more capable of, you know, raising the the, the hammer, raising their raising their game, I suppose, um, yeah. when it comes to the crucial point in the race. And like, I don't think I ever really trained specifically for it, but from a young age, I had always had the ability to increase the pace over the final parts of the race, over the last 400 or 300 or 200, depending on, you know, how fast you had gone in the early stages of the race. But I, I think it comes down to being competitive as well. Hmm. And it's like that competitive instinct that if you're in range, you know, of anybody within close range of the finish line, then you somehow you can just change gears and get going. And the only practice that I can remember is, you know, whenever I would do a training session of fast efforts at the track or in the park, like the last one was always the fastest, like without fail. Like I, it didn't matter how hard I had trained the whole session. The last one was always the fastest. And I can always remember when, particularly training with um, Alan Story up at Kings Meadow Track. And we were trained. There was always a group of mostly men, all different levels. We would run together on Tuesday night. And often the last effort would come down to a big boil off, you know, <laughs> and it wouldn't be planned or anything. But everybody had their own reasons, I suppose, to be trying to, to win the last effort. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, people can get a bit annoyed about stuff like this sometimes in training groups because, you know, someone is wrecking the session or something like that. But when it's the last effort and, you know, we used to just you could see it building up and everybody was trying to time their sprint to, you know, Get to get, to get the win. Finish, to get the win, I suppose. <laughs> you know, you, you, it's kind of like you, you, you hate to admit, but you know, we're all trying to win the last effort. But you know, then you'd get across the line, and Alan would be standing there, and he'd have his arms folded, and like sometimes Nick would tell me, he'd be saying, "Oh, what, we watch this now, see what happens here." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I don't know if he was after setting people up, you know, to do this for me or not, but he always knew that. You know, I always was determined to get the better of anyone who was around me. It didn't matter, you know, their their level of ability or anything. If they were, you know, there was people in our group like international runners like Gary Staines. And, you know, I was always ready to try and take him on. I didn't ever consider that he was, you know, running nearly two minutes faster than me for 5,000 meters. It was just another body around me <laughs> that you had to kind of... Uh, to chase down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to go around the parishes. We've so many more questions uh, to come in the second half of the show over on Patreon, including a very good question from Noel Carr around arms and uh, using your arms, <laughs> which I love that question. Shane Scanlon, we're going to get to your question as well. Uh, he's a new supporter over 
over on Patreon. Uh, come and enjoy the benefits over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. But now let's go around the parishes. To start with, Sonia, we've Stephen Reed, and this needs to get a big shout out. It's the Rahini Five Miler, which uh, had three and a half thousand runners at this weekend. He said that everybody enjoyed it so much that they ran an extra 500 metres. Apparently, contractors had laid barriers on the straight out and back 250 metres longer than the route was supposed to be. But God, did everybody enjoy it. Big shout out to Stephen Reed, Aaron Mullen, Kira Brady, Aidan McDonnell. Um, who else do we have? Nikki Fusco took part. We have Bernard Keneally, Shane Gargan. So many of our runners took part. John O'Sullivan, of course. And many, many more. Big shout out to everybody who took part in that. Who caught you or I in the group this weekend? So I actually had a look at the, all these people who were giving me kudos on the weekend. I thought I'd check in with them and, and make it because you had so many comments on your um, 5K run. I mean, oh, never, I, I, I've totally forgotten about that 5K, to be honest with you. I'm not even thinking about it. I know. It. <laughs> we, 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 we will have to get back and talk about that later on. But um, yeah, I was noticing all the comments you had. So then I was paying a bit more attention to the people who were paying a bit more attention to me. And... Um, so Noel Carr, I saw down there in Tralee, he ran 16 kilometres around a very small field um, <laughs> on Sunday, which is pretty impressive. Um, I couldn't see exactly how many laps it was, but there was a lot. And uh, that was he was actually climatising after coming back from a week in, in Spain down in Malaga. Nice. So I don't know, was he working or on a, on a, a training break down there? <laughs> but... Um, Yes, he was obviously happy to be back in Tralee out there running many laps. I think that is the same Noel Carr who has a question that we're going to answer in the second half uh, of the show. Uh, I did want to give a shout out to Rachel Calvey, who's back in Ireland. Uh, she ran the Rahini 5 miler as well. She described it as terrible pacing in her Strava. Very self-critical post there from her. She ran at a 4.45 pace, which I would think is pretty, pretty good. <laughs> Paul Bissett, uh, Stephen O'Shea, just great to see so many people out. I mean, just like the happiness that emanates off these posts on Strava really made me happy. Fergal, Cashin and Kieran Doherty were the last two that I spotted there that I really wanted to give a shout out to. Did you have another one there, Sonia, yourself? Um, I have Fergal Byrne in New York, who I was actually following in his footsteps over the weekend. Yeah. He was out running, Central running Park. in the snow as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he made a comment on my um, my map of Central Park and I looked at his maps and he actually ran 26 kilometers at 7.30 in the morning yesterday so it must have been so cold because I was about out about two hours later and is it well lit do they have it lit up um I would have thought he's doing that in the dark is he I would be just about getting bright then I think yeah Yeah. it's probably just about getting bright I don't think there'd be lights on but it probably still would have been a bit frosty out there at that time yesterday and I know because I was out there for an hour and a half on Sunday I just got so cold that I met I met somebody I knew. They called me and I could hardly speak. I was like, I was just so I was just so cold because it and it was really just from being out there for that amount of time. Mm. So on Saturday when I went in the snow, I had on two pairs of tights and I had about six layers on top. <laughs> but because I decided on Sunday because I would be running on the roads that I would go with one pair of tights. And um, 
it was amazing. You could really feel the cold air coming through onto your legs. But it was an, it was a better feeling because yeah. I could feel I could move a bit. Well, but I, I, I think got, then I... over over time it accumulates. Yeah. And you just get so cold that you can't clear. The, it's like it's like lactic acid, and you're clearing it. You can't warm get warm enough enough mm. quick enough to get rid of the cold. And eventually the cold takes over. But in saying that, I have to also mention Pa Sheehan up in Toronto. And he said, don't forget about us up here in Toronto. I think they're out in, they don't come above zero for months. Jeepers, I totally <laughs> I, had forgotten about Toronto. If it's that cold in New York, what's it like up there? I know. I mean, it looks like it's well below zero every single day. And I think he's doing very well to get out there. Um, I know there was World Indoors was in Toronto a good few years ago. And people just, they couldn't even go outside. I think they have tunnels up there. Yeah. in shopping malls so that you can get between like buildings of mm. hotels into places you want to go and people don't even go outside it's, it's so cold yeah no a whole underground city up there I, I, I love it went to did a bit of time at Christmas one year up there uh, and yeah bitter bitter cold so big shout out to Pa up there in Toronto we have one final person to get through the parishes and we're going to bring her on the live line Talk to Joe on 1850 715 815. Before we go, we have one person who went to the farthest flung parish of all. She's a marathoner with a best time of 2.52.39 seconds, a 50k ultra marathon best of 3.34.13 seconds. Just back from Kenya, from the Jantastic journey, all the way from Stony Batter via Leaks, Slip County Kildare, Jan Corcoran. Are you on the live line? I'm here, Charlotte. Thanks very much. <laughs> it's great to, have, great to have you on the show. I mean, we uh, were keeping everyone was keeping in touch with you on this trip to Kenya. But yeah, uh, it, it looked like the wildest trip, the most amazing training you were doing over there. Fill us in on how it came about. Well, it came from my coach, um, John Starlet. He runs some camps over there kind of every January to kind of the end of February. And because of COVID, we obviously never got to meet each other. So it was really weird. We both live in the same country and it took us to go to Kenya before we could actually meet in person. So it was a bit odd, uh, like considering we're only about an hour and a half a bit away from each other. But uh, yeah, so he set it up and he just he knows obviously what my goals are uh, for Paris 2024. And he said, look, this would probably be a really good opportunity to come over, train at altitude, kind of really what most of the elites do as well. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely jumped at the chance to, to to try something completely different, to anything to improve it. So like I've been training with him for over a year anyway, but he kind of had me in a more super base with, as he calls it, um, with tempo runs and trying to improve my speed and endurance. Because obviously I was transitioning from ultra marathons back to the marathon, mm-hmm. uh, just purely marathons, uh, where before I was kind of mixing between the both. Um, so, so the so, qualifying time is is 2.29. Is that still correct? That's so correct. And hopefully they won't change it on me. <laughs> <So, laughs> yeah. Sonia, you were saying that it's not always like uh, people think go to Kenya, <laughs> really sunny and God, great to get out of the cold. It's not always like that over there. Yeah, no, everyone assumes that Kenya is warm and and it is if you go to Mombasa down by the sea. Yeah. But yeah, at altitude, it, it can be quite cold up there, um, yeah. especially, especially at nighttime and early in the mornings. And, you know, like anywhere, when you get the direct sun, it's really nice if you can get in a sheltered spot 
But um, and Jan yeah, got absolutely lashed out of it on the first couple of days. <laughs> the, Ken- the Kenyans were going to deport us. That's what they said. They were like, the Irish come and it rains because it never normally rains in January, February. <laughs> and then it, yeah. I say torrential, it was ter- absolutely horrendous. And they were just um, looking at us. Yeah, when it rains, the roads are hard to run on, aren't they? Yeah, they kind of go, the dust goes very pasty. So mm. uh, there's not yeah, a lot of... Was- yeah, yeah. And they don't normally like to run in the rain. So if it rains, they, they don't run. So they thought we were mad turning up for our sessions. They were like, they didn't think we'd come. We are like, well, if we were to wait for it to stop raining in Ireland, we'd never get out. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, John, well, uh, you covered it so well. I have to say, people need to follow you on uh, Instagram and Twitter and especially on Strava, the fantastic uh, voyage that you were on. The Insta stories were just like... Just, as much as Cahill Dennehy captured some of what it's like over there, you really were you on a mission to kind of give people a picture of, you know, what running means and what life is over there? Because some of the stuff you posted was just stunning and amazing to take. And I felt yeah. like I was on the trip myself. That's what a lot of people were saying. It, and I was like, I'm not big on Instagram and stuff like that. I just kind of like to just get to the training. But so many people were asking me to document it. So I said, OK, well, I'll do it. And like the pictures and the stories just don't do it justice. It was a complete and utter culture shock when we arrived. Like we were collected and we're driving down the road going to the camp and there was a motorbike in front of us with a an, an armchair. That's all I can say. <laughs> I an armchair this. in the back of a motorbike with a person sitting in the armchair while someone else was driving us. <laughs> and we just knew from then <laughs> what it was going to be like. But like they're so happy. They're just I we could not get over how happy they are with with nothing, mm. like literally nothing from the children to to the adults and stuff. Now, I'm sure they have their downtimes as well. But from from what we've seen, they were just so happy. But all they do is run, sleep, rest, eat, run again. And they just they couldn't understand why we wouldn't stay longer. But we were trying to explain, well, we still have to work to be able mm. to come here. But then we have to go back home again. Their life is running. The kids run. Um, like they start school at three uh, years of age and they could walk miles to school or run. That's when we were out running, they just loved us uh, and they'd run with us, uh, which was just, yeah, mind blowing. Just the little kids with the school bags bigger than them uh, running to school. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely oh, wow. eye opening. Well, you know, obviously one of the Eva Cook has been on before, of course, talking about her trip over there. Yeah. And, you know, you're both basically competing for the same spots really at that next Olympics. She went out there with the idea of, you know, seeing how they do it, uh, mm-hmm. improving because of altitude. Uh, she she said she struggled. You you picked yeah. up a bit of a tummy bug. Did you struggle? Was that the only thing you struggled with or is the altitude just a killer? Uh, oh, the altitude is a killer. Like there was hills that you'd look at here and you go, that's not really a hill. And but over there, like the slightest incline and you, you felt it. You felt yeah. it. Your lungs were burning and you were just like, why is this? so hard I could do this at home but yeah it's the altitude definitely catches up to you and then the whole camp got struck down with we we don't know whether it was down to altitude food um heat our coach running the legs off us <laughs> a, mix of, a mix of everything that we all kind of picked up stomach bugs in the second week uh, which wasn't ideal um but like we just we made just the most of it and we trained as best we can. Yeah. And as Aoife knows as well. Yeah, it was hard. Like you're doing paces there that you wouldn't do at home. And I've de- definitely learned a lot about my own running 
and what I need to do um, now that I'm back to obviously to start improving those times. But yeah, no, and it was a great opportunity for my coach obviously to see me. So he said he found it very beneficial that he could see my running form to see if I needed to correct anything. And then obviously we had so many chats just about how we're going to improve to get those times down because there obviously hasn't been races due to COVID. So now my next thing is, is now to stay fit and healthy and then just start attacking the races to, to start to bring those times down. Yeah, well, Jan, thank you so much for jumping on. Uh, I feel like it's a nice little addition to the show as well to be able to, you know, jump on the live line with uh, one of the people out in the the far flung parishes. Sonny, I think I've asked you this before, but was there ever the chat about you heading over there and doing some, like a stint out there, uh, or was that just not something that was on the cards at the time? Uh, I did go out once in nineteen ninety four, uh, just to have a to check it out and see. But yeah, it wasn't really a common thing at the time. I think it's set up a lot better now. There's a few different training camps where mm-hmm. people can stay. And it's a bit more, I suppose, westernized to a degree. Mm. <laughs> but it's still very Kenyan. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, there's not, there's better place. Like when I was there, we stayed in this, um, I think it was the Shariqua Hotel or something. And, you know, it was very, very basic. I mean, it was the towels were like tea towels, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Still> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the only, I think the whole time I was there for a week, the only thing I ate was toast. Yeah, <laughs> toast that was me in the second week. <laughs> the toast is so good. They have It's like white bread square, really thick, like a doorstop. <laughs> but that that was the toast and tea. And the tea, you have to kind of acclimatize to that as well. Yeah. Or, or acquire <laughs> acquire the taste of the sweet milky tea. Yeah. Once you get it, it's actually okay because then if you get to visit anybody, you know, yeah, that's all they have. It's <laughs> all, all day long that the tea is boiling in a pot on the stove and it's, you know, it's well boiled. Yeah. It's their ginger tea that they call it ginger and it's made with milk and they give you chapatis. If I see another chapati now at this stage. Oh yeah, it's just, chapatis yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jan, but, we hope that we get to see you in person, the members get to see you in person down at uh, Sonia's 10 mile road races. You plan to, would that, would that screw up your training if you were to do that or is that on the cards for you? Yeah, that's a, one of the possible races on the cards is to to go down to that. We've seen that one was on it. So we have a couple of races in mind that um, we're kind of looking at to see if they'll slot in uh, with the plan. But yeah, so hopefully, yeah. Yeah, well, we still have we still have the same prize money and bonuses for the uh, the 10 mile as as we have every year. Every, and since we've taken it over as the, the Sonia O'Sullivan 10 mile, uh, we've had a course record. Uh, every time it's been run, except last year when, of course, it was all virtual. So, um, yeah, we're, we're look anyone who's listening, who's interested to come along and thinks they can run fast. Uh, we're we're happy to look after people and um, yeah, give you show you a good time around. Court. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Jan, thanks again for jumping on the call and best of luck with all the training. Uh, and please do keep in touch, and we'll have you back on closer. Hard to believe it. We're talking about the next Olympiad, but we'll follow the journey uh, with interest. Uh, give Jan a follow on Strava, Jantastic, and on Instagram as well. Thanks a lot, Jan. Thanks a million, Jarlan. Thanks, Sonia. We barely have time for a tip of the week, Sonia, but I don't know if you have one on the tip of your tongue right now. We'll throw it in. Oh, I did, and I can't remember it. Now. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> but but I, have a, I have a funny story for you about um, the, the vegan options and the vegetarians. Go and, for it. Um, 
So, so Pete Julian, so our head coach, so he, he doesn't eat any meat. So when we go to the meats some, on Saturday, I was out going to the, the Whole Foods shop here or in New York. Where, wherever you go in America, if you go to a track meet, you know, you have to book a hotel that's near a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's because people don't eat out anymore. They just go to the supermarket and get stuff. And um, so he said to me, could I get him some kind of a sandwich or something? to have at the meat and um so he was look he yeah he's vegetarian but he eats tuna so he <laughs> 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 you're gonna get him a tuna sandwich or something so there was no tuna sandwich in the whole foods but they had this mushroom wrap and i kind of was hovering you know when you're buying something for somebody else you're kind of you're a bit under pressure because you <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're not you want them to like it you know you don't want them to say what's that so anyway i got this mushroom wrap and it looked very nice and um and i'm walking back from the supermarket and because it's in the snow it's taken me like you know twice at least twice as long as it should and i'm coming across the street going through one of these snow trenches and then i see pete and um our fitness uh dave mchenry and um who else was oh donovan brazier they were heading to the track um but they were going to the subway and I'm coming back carrying this paper bag that I have to carry in my hands because it's about to tear. <laughs> so I said, here, do you want the sandwich? I got you a wrap. And he said, no, no, it's fine. I'll leave it in the hotel. I'll bring it later. And uh, Donovan, you know, he's in there trying to get some energy bars out and I can't feel anything with the cold. I said, there's some in there somewhere. He said, can I have this one? I said, no, not that one. That's for me. <laughs> so, there's, you know, there's all this stuff going on. Anyway, I get back to the hotel and then I get myself ready to go to the track because I was going with the girls an hour later and we took the bus then because the buses were going and um, so I packed up a food bag with some scones and I had this mushroom wrap and then we get to the track and I the athletes were all just kind of relaxing and chilling out and I said oh Pete I have the sandwich do you want the sandwich He's, and of course he doesn't want to have it then because he doesn't want to be eaten in front of the athletes while they're getting ready to race so no no he's not having a sandwich but they have a few pretzels that I have. And then later after the races and they're heading back and I have to stay with Coco because she's getting drug tested. And um, I said to Pete again, I said, here, do you want this mushroom wrap? <laughs> and he said, for the third time, he said no. <laughs> I know so exactly I'm, what is happening to this wrap right now. Go on. So I'm inside I'm inside the drug testing and from experience, I was in drug testing with Coco in Paris, absolutely starving. And um, so this time it's in an auditorium, it's like a cinema. I go to the people, I said, oh, have you a movie for us while we're waiting? Because it's just a waiting game when you go to these drug testing. Yeah. But I'm quite happy because I figure, well, I'm just going to have this mushroom wrap now because <laughs> it's like six o'clock in the evening. So, you know, he's not going to want it now. He's going out to dinner. So. Anyway, we get a message from Pete and it was the nicest rap. It was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a message from Pete anyway. And um, he, <laughs> he's, he says, how's it going? And I said, oh, yeah, no, we're just finishing up here. We're getting on the bus. We're on the way back. And he said, OK, well, how about when you get back, call up uh, with Coco and um, we'll have a chat about the race and I'll have that mushroom wrap. <laughs> <laughs> So Coco took my phone and Pete was after eating all the pretzels and I was supposed to save some for Coco. <laughs> they were gone. So she writes back to him and she goes, 
yeah, all good. Um, and just like the pretzels, the mushroom wrap is gone. <laughs> no more. How did he take it? Well, I said to him, I said, well, when you say no three times, <laughs> you must really mean no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is the Irish thing of offering food three times before it's properly offered. But you did offer three times. That's how, that rap was yours legally at that point. <laughs> Well, Pete has agreed to come on the podcast at some point in the future. We'll have to get his version of events on this mushroom wraps on you. As I say, he might tell a different story. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he has lots of stories to tell about me that I have no idea what I do. So that's the end of the first half of our conversation with Sonia. There's more, as I say, over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. We're going to have the post-race analysis of my fifth week, fourth week done of breaking 20. Just four weeks to go. I came within 40 seconds of breaking this barrier over the weekend at what was meant to be just my recce race at the, the venue where we will do the actual attempt on February 26th. Come on over to Patreon and hear the extra questions from our listeners and, as I say, the post-race analysis from the weekend. Thanks so much, Sonia. Brian Connolly's on sound and Tina and Mikey make it all possible. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. <laughs>